Hello, hello, and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I am Matt, and I'm a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today, we're going to be talking about unreliable narrators with my guest, Scott, from Zealzaddy. But before we get to that recording, I just wanted to make one quick announcement. The Roleplay Chat third season giveaway is officially launched. It launched yesterday, and all of the entry requirements can be found on Twitter. I encourage you to go follow and look for my pinned tweet where I talk about how to enter the Roleplay Chat giveaway. To do that, just find role underscore play underscore chat on Twitter, and you'll see it there on the front page. All kinds of great prizes available to you, including some handcrafted terrain that I made myself, and some fantastic uh, D&D supplements and content from plot hooks. There's the copper bestseller, bestseller Villagers, which is a collection of NPCs that are secretly villains that you can plop into any of your games. And there's also the underground oracle digital bundle for the quarter. Uh, there's a new cleric domain, there's a new monk archetype, there's a new barbarian primal path, there's some maps, there's some locations, there's some pre-made adventures there. So, you know, all kinds of great stuff for you to win. Just go follow Roleplay Chat on Twitter and you'll see the pinned tweet with that. All right, without further ado, let's get back to, or let's get to the episode. Hello, everybody, and am I ever excited to talk to you guys about unreliable narrators. And with me today, I have Scott from Zealzaddy. You might know him from his Elixia streams on Twitch and YouTube, or his new products on Patreon, Shard Tabletop, and DriveThruRPG on the free city of Vadishar. Scott, why don't you say hello to the listeners? Hi, everybody. I'm Scott. There's also a couple other streams that I didn't mention that I should mention. Like, I do a Sock Puppet D&D stream every yes. quarter, which is next week, next Wednesday. Um, I have and to then make I do... that Sock Puppet. I, I'm still on that show, right, Scott? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I do a quarterly stream with that I call Gods of Creation and is with people who create all the products we love to play that are making products for Patreon and DriveThruRPG and DMs Guild that are are makers of stuff. I never put them to the paces on their own stuff. That would be both cruel and, uh, and inhuman punishment, but I do try and make it interesting things that they've never seen before. So I want to add those streams. in there. Yeah. Yeah. That one's coming up too. For sure. Yeah. Those are, those all sound great. I, I honestly, I did some of my research. I went and watched the latest sock puppet zibbles, zibble zabble theater, right? Is what it's called. Yeah, I take, to yeah. get myself some some <laughs> some ho- homework done to make sure I know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> but yeah, th- I mean, Scott, thank you for being here today to talk to me and to the listeners about unreliable narrators. Uh, before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself as far as your you know game mastering experiences go, as far as your playing experiences go? What kind of uh, systems do you like running and playing, and how long have you been in the hobby? You know, all that kind of good stuff. Sure. So I've been in the hobby for a long time, although I did have a big gap in the middle. So I first started on AD&D, which is D&D 2, and I played into 3, and then I, I was out of the hobby for a long time, and then I came back around at the end of 4, and I hated 4. And then when 5 came out, I was like, well, let me dig into that. Maybe I like that. 
in that interim between there, though, I did do a huge amount of board gaming and stuff, mostly because I was spending a lot of time with my kids, and, and I wanted gaming in my life, but I couldn't dedicate to campaigns. So it just became that thing. And then uh, when I came back, I fell in love with D&D's new you know, 5e. Um, but it's not the only system I love and play. I, I stream occasionally Tales from the Loop, which I think is a fantastic uh Board or board game, a fantastic game from uh, Modifius. I I also love one of the ones that I fell in love with, and that way back when from Atlas Games is um, Over the Edge. It's a really weird sci-fi game set in a modernish time, where basically there's one island that everything you think is weird in the world, and there's no way it could happen or be real, is real there. <laughs> Aliens, mind control, rock stars that has pheromone that makes everyone fall in love with him. Like anything you can imagine that would be weird in the modern world can totally exist there and does. That's cool. That's cool. So you're telling me that I can go to a barbershop with like a turtle to cut my hair and it's all good. Sure. Nice. Nice. I'll have yeah. to give that a shot. <laughs> uh, other ones that I love, I'm looking at some of my games to just kind of remind myself of, of what they are. Uh, as for Genesis, I ran a, a whole, a whole uh, campaign of that just before the campaign, before the uh, COVID pandemic. That was fantastic. That's basically a, a science fiction version of D&D 5e. The, a lot of, from what I've heard, a lot of people at WotC that love sci-fi play that system because it's so D&D centric in, in, a, in the system. It's built around it. And the owner of that, Rich Lakeflor, who's a friend of mine, he, he does work for WotC. So he's pretty integrated, you know, with a lot of the stuff they do. So he knows the system very well. He knows how to incorporate and and also how to make sure that it's not really just D&D. But if you know know D&D, you can walk into that and within 10 minutes, understand everything about it. And I think that's pretty cool. Cool, cool. And uh, a a question then, maybe Scott, something that I didn't really, I didn't think I would ask you because I didn't think it would be super relevant, but I'm, I'm curious. You know, on the spectrum of, you know, role play to mechanical crunch, where do you sit as a game master and as a player? What are your preferences? Because one thing that, you know, this show, we used to focus a lot on the role play. Uh, we fixated on it even to the point where we make sure that all of our topics of conversation are related to role play or role play advice. But, you know, as, as the show progressed, we've evolved to be broader. And I, I'm just curious, you know, you talk about systems that have a little less crunch and others that are basically, you know, synonymous to D and D where do you sit as far as rules and crunch and, and systems go? What's your preference? All right. So when I, when I first started playing, when I actually, when I first started playing D and I started DMing before I'd ever played the game. Oh. I bought the red box and I didn't, I didn't know anybody who DM'd. So I asked some of my friends, you want to play this game that I got on at, I think it was Walden books or something. <laughs> um, or, and then, so I, I read through the book and I started running it. Of course I was terrible and they didn't have any interest in ever playing again, but I knew there was something cool about it. So I found this store called the complete strategist, which there's one in New York still, but they used to have one here in my, in uh, South Florida. It was in uh, Davie. And I made a lot of friends there and started playing there. At that time, I would say, like, I, w- I was into lore master and, like, crazy crunchy systems, stupidly crunchy systems. And then I made my own system that had just the right amount of crunch. 
And then I realized it's not fun to play because there's just too much damn crunch. So I, I can tell you I've evolved to the other end of the spectrum. I could care less about the crunch. I want my players to know their spells. I don't want to know every damn spell in the book. There's just too many. I know enough to uh, understand the concept of what they're doing or what they want to do. If I have a question about it, I have D&D Beyond, I'll look it up while we're in the stream. And I'll go, okay, all right, this. Yeah, no problem. Let's do that. Honestly, I love roleplay. I've always loved roleplay, but I, when I started, I thought that the system was the game more than the roleplay was. Mm. I thought the roleplay was the icing, and it's totally, I think it's totally the opposite. I think a good system that, that supports good roleplay in a game is the icing. The yeah. game is the storytelling with the, with the players and letting the players um, experience both being an actor and a director in their own, in their own show. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's truly fantastic. Nothing beautiful. Yeah, and and yeah. it's, I think that that's what gives these games so much depth and so much things. Like that's why we can talk about these games for hours at a time because there's so much finesse and so much nuance to yeah to enabling those players to do those things to have that spotlight moment. Yeah, but I but I do think you know part of part of the good role play is is having a setting like you said, having an environment that enables it. And something that I think can, in fact, enable it quite well, actually, it really makes the world immersive, is having unreliable narrators in your game. I think unreliable narrators are a really interesting resource for game masters to use. So I think we're going to dive into our topic of conversation now. And as always, we're going to start off with a definition. Now, Scott, you know, don't worry, you don't have to go and look up. A definition here we're just gonna the two of us we're gonna come up with a definition together based on our experience based on what we think you know makes an unreliable narrator so i'll i'll give you the ball first uh kick us off in, unless you want me to start but usually it's easier to start so i'll, I'll let you start what is an unreliable narrator to you and uh let's over to you i think an, an unreliable narrator is one in which the character's rely on information because if you're not relying on it, there's no unreliability or reliability to it. Mm -hmm. So it has to be somebody who they have to rely on for information, but that the information is either skewed in its truth is untruthful on purpose or partially, or from the perspective of the person giving them this truth is only one-sided. Mm -hmm. So they're unreliable because either they don't know all the truth. If they do know all the truth and are giving you untruth, then they're lying to you on purpose or it's somewhere in between. You know, they, it could also just be a mistake. They don't know and they think they do and like they're being played. But for the most part, unreliable narrators come in the form, I think in games like this of the, of the big guys of the game. Like, uh, you could use an unreliable narrator that's an informant that's there every time. And I think back to the X-Files had uh, Deep Throat, who was an unreliable narrator, gave them lots of information, but always had a perspective that was, he, he had an agenda, and his agenda was not the same as theirs. So he was manipulating them into doing things he wanted. I think that the best unreliable unreliable narrators are ones that are giving you their truth. Okay. But that's it's not all the truth. Yeah. I really like that. I, I really like that. And I'm going to fix it on something you said, Scott, 
perspective. I, I think that that is, you know, for me, a key component of an un, un, unreliable narrator. They're presenting information to the party from their perspective. And, you know, it's going to be extreme, extremely limited. If it's a bard who's getting paid to, to, to sing a song about a legend or a bad guy or a, a king, you've got their perspective and you've also got their motivation tied into it. So they're presenting information to the party. They're presenting information to the players with this, um, this lens, this filter over it that's going to sieve out all the things that the character wouldn't know about. And it's going to sieve out all the things that the character doesn't want to tell the public, doesn't want to tell somebody they just met, somebody they're just giving a quest to. So yeah, there's um, whether it's malicious or not too. I, I think you you mentioned that, which is important. I, I think there's a variety of different forms of unreliability, whether it's unintentional or or malicious. It, it it's still unreliability. As a DM, though, there's a beauty to that. Unlike a movie. A movie is already dictated beginning to end. A role-playing game is not dictated unless you're unless everything's on rails beginning to end. It's not a movie and it is not characters are going to change the 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 movement of the of the arcs and the story. So I almost think that every narrator is at least partially unreliable. The question is, is how unreliable and what are the, and, and like you said, what are the motivations? Why are they unreliable? Yeah. You know, character, I have characters that started in session one, season one of Elixia. And, you know, now we're on season two episode. We're starting 23 next Tuesday with about 30 episodes a season. 28, I think was last season. And there were things that they learned then that they have subsequently learned were different. And some of it was because of things they did. I had to change what, <laughs> what that, what that truth was. Yeah, yeah. So a narrator can be a DM's best friend. You can, you can use it to alter perceptions. Of course, it means you have to think about how to, sometimes it's solving a problem. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's solving a mistake you made in, in your, uh, in you know doing a lore dump or something like oh that was yeah yeah and i think i'm good with that <laughs> yeah and i i agree with that i i really do uh a whole lot uh i i think too scott something that i'm going to add here as a caveat and so, something that i want to make extremely clear to listeners is we're not today we're not going to be talking about game masters being unreliable to their players that is not the intention of today's conversations but that's just something i want to make sure is extremely clear I have my own gripes with game masters who do that. You know, game masters shouldn't be uh, intentionally providing their players with misinformation unless it's, you know, again, from the perspective of a character who has the motivation to do so. And it's part of yeah. the narrative and it's part of the fun of the game. If, you know, if a player's rolling to do a perception check and they roll well, you telling them what's in the room is not you being a reliable narrator. It's you being a game master. <laughs> you you yeah. know what I mean? Or if they roll poorly, yeah. you not telling them everything. Again, it's you doing your job as the arbiter of this of this game to tell them what they see and what they don't see. That's that's like not part of today's... That is not being an unreliable narrator. That's being yeah. a game master. For, yeah, for the most part, the DM should be the only reliable narrator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. The only one. Everyone else... 
every god to every street urchin is at, to some degree unreliable at with the information they give. But most of the time it'll be truthful from the perspective of who's saying it. Unless you're dealing with spies or assassins or you know people trying to do you wrong, in which case they'll figure that out soon enough anyway, probably. Ho- hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny you talk about that. There, there was a, a game I played in for a long time with my old co-host, with Chris. Uh, and Chris was, Chris was the game master. And the first arc of the story was like this whole betrayal, uh, betrayal narrative where the head of a church, like an important church in the Warhammer universe, the Aldrican church, for those of you who know about Warhammer lore, uh, the head of the Aldrican church was summoning a demon to betray the entire town of Middenheim, basically, and to take control of it. And we as players didn't know that. We would like run to this guy and be like, oh, look, we discovered this new information and we like spill the beans. We completely told them everything that there was like, oh, we're, we're going to catch them. We're going to find them. We're, we're hot on their trail. And uh, that, bit us, that bit us in the ass pretty good. But <laughs> I love that. I love that DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a fantastic game master. Um, but, um, but yeah, and that kind of segues into I, I went and found, I did a little bit of research before today's episode to find the types of unreliable narrators. Because I think this is a pretty good distinction and it'll supplement kind of the definition that Scott and I have provided you guys today. So the the first, there's four types, and this is coming from masterclass.com. There's an article about what an unreliable narrator is. I'm gonna link it up in the description, uh, in the show description. But uh, the four the four types that they talk about here, the first is called the Picaro. And the Picaro is a character who likes to exaggerate things. A character who is going to say something is more uh, extravagant than it is to maybe elevate their status, or maybe say something is more dangerous than it is to uh, elevate the cost of, of some kind of quest that they're trying to give the players. Oh yeah, you're going to have to fight this humongous monster. It's going to be, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be, it's going to be awful. Does, does anything pop out to you when I talk about that? Somebody who exaggerates things. Well, yeah, we have a, a character in our, in our new supplement. We have a supplement out called the beggar King and the, and the kingdom of beggars. It's our first piece. And one of the characters in there is called Anod the storyteller. And he is a, a monk but he's grown up on the street and he's an exaggerator and you can get very good stories from him and it will all be true except it will be way overblown and the most important details may be missed because he's exaggerating on the most unimportant details. How grand the dance and the music was versus the fact that uh, there were three cutthroat cut purses and they're taking purses from the wealthy, Mm. you know, that is to me the the perfect Picaro is the one that is the storyteller. Just sure you'll get information and it may have inklings of the truth that matters to you, but from their perspective, the thing that mattered was the dance and the music. Yeah. You know, whatever it was, you know. And I like that you talk about storytellers, because I think, yeah, that's it's a perfect D and D or or fantasy or any role-playing game. You know, there's gonna be storytellers, yeah. there's gonna be bards. Uh, you know, it's easy to it's easy to insert these kinds of characters into your game because there are people also paying for their narrative to be 
portrayed in an exaggerated light. You know, there are kings and queens and and dukes and people out there who are trying to elevate their own status through uh, through these Picaro type characters. So sometimes it's a fun it's a fun act to have where you have a Picaro character who's being like this because they're getting paid to be like this, and players can even leverage that. You know, if a player does a really fantastic deed, they can pay off some of the the bards in the guild of the of the you know the the, the news guild of a city and have them spread yeah. the word of their good deed. Uh, it's an interesting way for players to kind of engage in that in a different perspective. But um, I thought of another one that's really good. Okay, so in Matt Colville's uh, str- game that he was running uh, six months ago or whatever, he had in the sit- in his city capital the, uh, what were they called? The broadsheets, which was the, the information guild, the, the newspapers guild. Cool. But they could be paid to deliver altered messages of the news and they were a great unreliable narrator because they could be paid to be unreliable and everybody believed the newspaper absolutely so it was a powerful unreliable like if you had the leverage to get that altered you were a powerful person yeah and that's cool when when he used that i was like wow that's a that's a pretty cool like narrator tool and it's super insidious because it's totally trusted by 99% of the population of the city of capital. Yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, wow, that's cool. That's pretty neat. Uh, and it, it kind of segues nicely into another one of these uh, categories. So this one, um, you know, that this is definitely the more deliberate of the unreliable narrators and it's the liar. It's the liar category. It's when somebody is fabricating stories, they're, you know, they're trying to paint a better picture of themselves. They're trying to achieve some kind of outcome to, you know, maybe get the throne or become the next leader of this guild or, or what have you, or to, to paint somebody else in a bad picture so that public perception skews away from those people. So anyway, so th- this liar, this can be the more malicious, I think. This is the more yeah. uh, manipulative type of character. This can be like the secret bad guy who comes out and stabs the party in the back. Yeah. Oh, you've been doing my bidding all along. <laughs> right. You know? the, the spy, the... The assassin setting you up. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, so so that one there, that can be a lot of fun for the game master. Yeah. It can be a little less fun for the players, and we're going to get to that maybe later. But if done well, I think everybody can appreciate how cool of a, how cool of a character this, this is. I think that one should be reserved for something really important. Like the other unreliable ones the players will probably understand that there's some unreliability because they're so, they're so obviously flawed. Mm-hmm. The liar is trying to hide the flaws so, and is doing so well enough that you believe whatever's said. So if you're going to use a lying narrator, an unreliable narrator like that, you don't want to make that just be a random, a rando NPC that shows up. Because it's too destructive to the campaign yeah. and too destructive to to their trust in you as a DM. That has to it has to be big enough. You have to elevate that to uh, malicious intent, and yeah. that requires purpose. They have to be doing it for a reason. Most like I don't think most people run around just lying to everybody about everything. It it goes against 
maybe it doesn't go against human nature. I think it goes <laughs> against most human nature if they've been brought up in a society where, you know, truth is is value. Well, and 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 to your point, Scott, I think it's important because to to, to flag that, yeah, as a game master your players have innate trust in you. So you, you don't want to betray that trust either. You know, you know, you no. don't want to have this moment where you're throwing all these characters around that are lying all the time. The players are never going to trust what the NPCs are saying anymore. So yeah, you know, I think for those two reasons, it makes sense for you to use this uh, kind of in special, special circumstances sparingly. Um, yeah. And, and I think we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later too. You know, when we talk about how to use unreliable narrators, but um but yeah, any anything else on the liar, or am I good to go on to the next one, Scott? Well, one one thing about the liar that I also think is important is using a liar. If you use liars all the time, you're probably going to lead. Like I was just thinking, if I was in if I was in a game and a and a DM or a GM was using liars constantly, that were not part of the big story arc. This this you know whatever's going on you're almost justified in just becoming a murder hobo or a torture hobo mm. because there's no truth anywhere. So the only way to get it would be to do the worst things and fit in with the rest of the society that you're being provided. Yeah. 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 It it, which, bad who wants to do that? Exactly. Who wants that? Ew. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ew. Um, all right. So, so that's, that's, that. I think that's, it's definitely one of the more interesting ones. Um, and I'm going to go to one that I think is probably the more common, and this is the naif. So this is someone who's naive, somebody who doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the knowledge, doesn't maybe have the age to to have the you know the world views needed. So when they're expressing their desires, when they're talking to the players, there's a lot of stuff that's not there. There's a lot of pieces missing, but that's not because of you know malicious intent. This is not because of uh, any kind of desire to elevate themselves. It's simply because they just don't have the information and they're telling it as the best that they can to the truth that they believe to be true. So, you know, and this is your villager NPC. This is your himbo barbarian or himbo paladin or whatever who's just trying their best and is missing out on a lot of the, you know, the information. Yeah, I I actually introduced one in my game last night. That is that it is, um, his his name is Suit S U U T to use, and he is from an ab abusive fam familial relationship, mm. and he is also on the spectrum, and he's been very isolated. So his perspective is super tiny and skewed. And comes from a place of pain. Wow. So his reliability is questionable. His motivations are not. And that's what they saw was this character is, I mean, he's sad, of course. Super and, sad. But, <laughs> but, but he has something that they need. Yeah. He's a, so in, in the game they're doing they're, that I'm running right now, they're trying to cast a spell that is a bardic spell that requires an orchestra of 30 people. And it has to be done on a ley line and, you know, which is a play, a ley line next, which is a place where magic is at its most potency. Mm. And it's a really ancient old fey magic spell. So they need musicians of spectacular quality. 
and this is the best musician I found because he's been raised to practice 14 hours a day, just music, so that he would be a trophy for his father to show off who is a powerful um, political person. So he needs love, and you can tell he needs love. Yeah. And to me, getting putting a character there that is in need of love and is totally honest about everything he says, because he is, he is honest about everything he says, but he's unreliable because he doesn't have the perspective of a worldly person. He's got yeah. the perspective of someone who has barely seen outside a room with instruments. And there were things he said in the game that were partial truths because they come from his limited perspective. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and I really like that you have a character on the spectrum. Like that's that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, I'm that's that's a pretty heavy example. I'm gonna go with the opposite. It is the heaviest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with the opposite. I I think you know I think this category of an unreliable character, an unreliable uh, excuse me, an unreliable narrator also can be very surface level. It can be very simple. It can be the shopkeeper in a small town that only sells simple wares and burglars stole his goods and he needs help. He wants somebody to come. The burglars are bad. They stole his goods. You got to go get them. You have to arrest them. You have to bring them to justice. I need my money back. Otherwise my shop's going to get closed. Whoever stole from him, it doesn't matter who they are, what their intentions were, why they needed to steal from him. He just wants them back. He needs, like, you know, his perspective is limited. He, his day in, day out is, is tending to his shop. I, I also had, <laughs> I had a character once who, it was inspired by, uh, by Dwight Schrute from The Office, who uh, was a beet farmer, and he loved the, all of the characters in the party. He offered them beet stew and beets, fried beets for breakfast and beet juice. Like, he just... He just loved right. them, and he wanted to help them all the time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he was great. so funny. He was fantastic. I'm totally stealing that. Oh, you should. You should. <laughs> and, and what I loved the most was that all of my players immediately suspected him. They were like, he's up to something. And he wasn't. He was just like a fanboy who loved the party so much and wanted to share his beats, beat recipes with them. But, you know, he wasn't the smartest guy. He, he wasn't the smartest guy and he his perspectives were limited so whenever they asked him about something they got you know they got his limited perspective on it and, and yeah anyway i, I guess that, what i'm going that's super cool he was fun he was fun not not nearly as heavy <laughs> as your is your uh, example no but equally i think is interesting and uh and the last but certainly not least is the madman uh, that's the last category for the types of unreliable narrators and here the madman you know they're unreliable because they you know their sanity could be questioned they're they're mentally detached from from the realities of the world maybe they're fixated on something and their their perspective is skewed because of that fixation or because of you know again because they're they're so focused on their del delusional perspective of what's yeah. right or what's wrong um and you know th these make for good villains i find but um they're like yeah. anti-villains maybe but anyway yeah that, that so that's the madman scott do you have any uh, examples of that i used i used a madman a mad woman last season who was the madness made her um 
enjoyable and she was unreliable, but she was a good person. The madness was not mm. antagonistic or villainous. It was, in her case, it was a, a source of comfort. She was comforted by the delusions that she felt of reality and made her feel better in life about life. But she was unreliable, and there were things that she said that they that they took in, and one thing they acted on that was incorrect, and they and as soon as they hit it, they knew it, and they were like, "Oh, mm. damn!" But it wasn't like I surprised them with. It was obvious that she was not completely grounded. Yeah. So you know they 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 lived and learned, and they didn't. Because of it, they didn't gain a distrust of my DMing because of it. Because it was, I made sure that they understood there was unreliability in this person, and it was up to them how to, how they were going to handle it. And they went, they went a certain direction, and um, it was not, it was not a comforting place to go. I mean, nobody died from it in in that particular case, but uh, there was definitely some. It, it caused complications that came back later, and they knew that where it came from. Just good consequences. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so those are the four categories that you know this article from Masterclass talks about. So now let's you know let's dive a little bit on. I got some questions prepared, Scott. You know we can kind of use them as prompts to, to sure. conversation. And and I guess the first question. This is one that I, I didn't send you ahead of time, so I'm sorry. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. What is an unreliable narrator? unreliable about in the context of a tabletop rpg what can they be unreliable about for it to be interesting and i don't know if that makes sense i can i can maybe try to supplement this with a question but yeah so you know they're unreliable but about what and obviously it can be anything but in the context of a tabletop rpg right. i feel like there are things that they can be unreliable about that are interesting you know for a, from a player's perspective yeah so I think that the the first and easiest answer would be they can be unreliable about a future, a fate, what have you. You know, gods are 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 always trying to tell you that the future is this and you need to do this for me, whatever. Hmm. Whatever that happens to be. <clears throat> I like but that. these are characters that have their own that can decide themselves how they're gonna do things. Now that God could actually, that could be their fate. Like the God could be determining that's your fate until the character decides to change it, making them become unreliable when the character makes a decision to do something else. So it may not have been unreliable when it started. It just ended up being unreliable because characters are characters and they're <laughs> going to do their thing. That's the easy one. For the most part, the only things worth being unreliable are the things that will have either an immediate, an, not immediate, but a direct impact on the character or story arc on the characters or what have you, or affect things that will change the world around the players that they will eventually come across. Like they could be told that a nation is invading another nation and they're near that area but that doesn't happen unless they do something that makes it happen. In which case they they could be the unreliable they could become the unreliable narrator actually if they continue spreading rumors about things that make it that affect it, either make it happen or not happen. But you know, if it doesn't have 
like I I would hate to be in a game where a DM used unreliable narrators to give us information that was valueless and only served to just drive us crazy trying to figure out what's the damn story we're trying to yeah. to do here. That would be a very un it would be a very disconcerting uncomfortable game to be in. And honestly, I don't think you'd have players stay in it very long unless all unless you just use I mean, there's one kind of game that everybody stays in that that loves those types of games, and that's the, you know, kill monster games. You know, it almost doesn't matter. They just want to kill something, so whatever. Um, yeah. But those aren't games I play in, or I ever want to play in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with I agree with that for sure. You, you know, you if you're seeding in unreliability for the intention of you know creating red herrings and making it more confusing for the players than it needs to be. That's I, I would recommend against it. I don't think that's a very healthy thing to be doing as a game master. I, I also think players create enough of their own red herrings that you don't need to go and create them for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And but but I do you know from my from my perspective, I, I like that you said, Scott, that it's something that's going to enrich you know it's going to enrich the game for the players. And I, I think that one way to do this is to use unreliable narrators to help paint a picture of a faction, pre presenting information from one faction and how they view another faction, or from one group and how they view another group, and then for the players to discover that it's not the full truth is a really valuable world-building tool. So it doesn't necessarily misconstrue what the mission is or what the main objectives are, because that's you know hopefully that's clear to your players and, and they're heading forward and they're saving the blacksmith because he, the blacksmith needs saving or whatever. But on their route towards that, you discover a number of different groups that have different opinions of, one, of what the other group is and what their motivations are. And by learning about what group A thinks about group B and what group B thinks about group A, you kind of paint a picture of the environment that your players are in. So that's, that's one way I like to use unreliable narrators. I used one in in Elixia towards the middle end of season one that was a succubus and, and an incubus. There were two of them working together and they were really, I mean, they were really messing up this town. Mm. Like they were, they were, they were turning people into thralls and using them and manipulating the, 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 the city. And they caught on to these people when they were in this, they were disguised as craftsmen in the, in the community but they were doing something much more insidious. But they caught one of them. They killed one, and they caught one. And when they caught one, they decided they were going to interrogate her, the, con the concubine. Actually, there's interestingly, before I, I'm going to go on a side topic for yeah, a moment. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. So <clears throat> one thing that I, I, I discovered yeah. recently was that a lot of people are trying to not use concubine and or not use succubus and, and, um, and incubus and instead using concubus hmm. as a gender neutral term, I thought it was very cool and very interesting. And I'm, you know, in my head, I'm trying to get used to using it because I'm so used to growing up with succubus and incubus. And I think it's actually a better thing because I actually see them as being very genderless anyway. You know, they're beautiful people, but they're not particularly, um, I never saw them one way or the other. And I thought that was very interesting. I like the term concubus. So, I'm going to try and remember to use it now. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so, this is the first I hear of it. So concubus <clears throat> is the gender-neutral terminology for, for these, like, demonic... Uh, succubus yeah. or incubus. Yeah. Interesting. So, so they caught one, and they, were gonna, they decided they were going to interrogate 
the the concubus. And I took that as an opportunity to give them information that the that they knew about the players because they were doing this stuff purposely trying to to get to the players as part of what they were doing. And but what I did is, and this is a, like a, a DM secret, you write up a whole lot of things that they could say, and you're only going to say a few before they get really bad anyway, because player characters just can't hold it together. <laughs> so, but what I did is I turned it into, I started, it was a really interesting episode called Interrogations, and I used the, them to interrogate the players to get understand their motivations, what they were doing, and and that's another thing DMs can do, like, players will totally give up everything if they think it makes them cool and badass to the to the bad guy that they have caught <laughs> totally but but i gave them information they didn't know about their own past that they knew because they were well informed from outside perspectives that they didn't have see yeah and they were they were connected to a network of i don't want to say assassins but but bad people that had been researching them a little bit and they knew some things about them that they did not know. So I dropped those in with some things that were not truths. And I knew that they had the information to, to divvy up, to figure out what is the truth and what's the not, not the truth. Oh yeah. I can really get behind that because it, it, not only is it super fun as a player to be told these things about your character, but, but then it presents such a ripe moment to role play, right? To, to role play that anxiety, that stress, that, oh my God, this is new information to me. What parts of it are truthful? What parts of it are exaggerations? Like, how, how does my character process all of this new information about themselves? That is really cool. Uh, hats off, Scott. That's really, really cool. Uh, and, and yeah, it could super fun. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> super, super fun. fun. And like, it sounds like something that would come back you know it's it's the the characters are going to sit on that for a long time they're going to bring that back it's going to be like oh, a yeah. seed of doubt in 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 them as a character for for several game sessions and and i think that that's an outcome you want to get out of your unreliable narrator like absolutely I, i'm going to rifle off a few other you know things that they can be unreliable sure. about that i that i thought of but then we can move on to some other you know strategies to employ uh these things but yeah i i think it's good for your unreliable narrators to be unreliable about uh, locations, missions, quests that the players are going to be off going to do for them, you know, if they're getting hired by somebody. And I think one thing that is fun to play with are outcomes. You know, if the, if the players and the party achieves something that they expected to be uh, very, very well received, or you know, they they tell the story to the king, everything, all the work that they did, but then the story that the public receives through the media channels or through the bards or through whatever kind of communications exist is different, and truths are hidden or or pieces of the story are are missing. It could be it could be really interesting because the players know it's unreliable. They say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not how it went down. I mean, the outcome's the same, but it's not exactly the same story here. Something's yep. missing. So it, it can be an interesting tool to also kind of solve mysteries. And, all right, so Scott, I, I know I said we're going to talk about examples, and I think we gave a lot of examples when we were going through the, the categories. So maybe I'll give you the opportunity if you have one other 
uh, example of uh, unreliable narrator that you really think you, you want to bring forward, your, your favorite example, and then we'll move on to like our strategies for using unreliable narrators. Actually, I was in a game two years ago, uh, a Vatishar game with my partner, Cliff, and I was playing a, a, like a spy character. I was an unreliable narrator to other players. Cool. And, and that is a really weird, but what I didn't realize then, but I found it later was another one was also a spy and an unreliable narrator to the rest of us, <laughs> but we were doing it for, for towards good ends. We just didn't realize that the others were, that other people were in similar positions. And that was an interesting thing where multiple players were unreliable narrators and all getting information from, you know, it's a city camp, it's an urban campaign city. So there's a lot of intrigue going on. And we were all from different perspectives of, of what's going on in the city. We were all coming at it from different angles and we all had our own backstories and narratives that, that colored what we were going to say to each other because we had to hide it too for a long time. But it was slowly revealed by ourselves, like others would figure it out. So we were unreliable, but they were figuring out that we were all unreliable. That was interesting and exciting and really takes good role players to make work without it turning into a PvP game where everyone's just fighting everybody. Because none of us were doing it antagonistically. Man, that is such an interesting... That, that brings up a whole other thing. I don't even know... Whew, do I want to get into it? Because, you know, you're bringing up something super cool and it's that, mm. yeah, players? Yeah. Player, players are, by virtue, going to be unreliable in, their, in the way that they deliver information. Players are unreliable narrators to themselves. I mean, yeah. even, even the most trusted groups of friends playing this game together, they're going to keep certain pieces of information close to their chest and they're not going to, you know, they're going to wait for the right moment to bring that stuff up about their backstory about, yeah. about you know murdering an npc when maybe the cleric didn't want you to but you did it off on the side yeah. you know things like this it, it, they're their own unreliable narrators even if you don't sure. do it yourself as a game master so if, yeah if you have any kind of a spy kind of character in your in your party you have a built-in unreliable narrator and you as a dm can give them information that they either know or don't that is meant to manipulate the perceptions of the players yeah. in what it what i mean you just have to be really careful how you do it and make sure it's not harming the, the story and it becomes part of the story cool well i'm happy i'm happy you brought up that example because that was a fantastic example thank you scott um all right so now let's talk a little bit about the, the pros and cons and how to do it and things like this. so i guess i'll start you know we touched on a lot of the cool things that that uh, unreliable narrators can bring to the table. They can create opportunities to see the game from the perspectives of the player, of the characters that you're portraying. Uh, you can kind of create these cool dramatic moments. You can create these these backstab moments where the the villain was who you didn't think it was all along. That kind of stuff. Are there other yeah. benefits? And I'm thinking maybe from a role-playing perspective, you know, what are the, the role-playing benefits of having unreliable narrators in the game? And I don't know, Scott, if anything else comes to mind. Yeah, most, most people who are unreliable narrators are wonderful people to talk to. 
Like they make great role play opportunities for any one of those four or five are spectacular role playing opportunities from the DM's perspective. They're fun. They're interesting characters, but they're not the big bads and stuff necessarily. Unreliable narrators are some of the most fun NPCs to play. You just gotta, you have to think through it a little bit. Like, I don't think it's generally a good, I wouldn't want to wing an unreliable narrator in a campaign, you know, one shot, whatever, fine. But in a campaign, it could be destructive to the arc. It can be destructive to character backstory or character, um, their personality, whatever. I mean, you can make somebody go nuts with it, but I kind of think that an unreliable narrator has to be important enough to be used in that way. So you kind of have to give them character and that's fun. I love characters that aren't, you know, fighter warrior types and and powerful mages, but little people that can give you something and then get out of the way or stay out of the way or get away, whatever it is. Yeah, and and I think you touched on something really important there. You know, one of the great benefits is that it creates these opportunities. It creates really engaging and fun characters that you can play as a game master really fun characters for your players to engage with, but there has to be intention. You, you can't just create someone who's going to lie about their surroundings and lie to the face of the players if there isn't intention behind those lies. And yeah, um, I think that touches on one of the greatest risks of using unreliable narrators is that if there is no intention, you can create a lot of chaos in your games. You can create a lot of mistrust in the in the NPCs and in the information that's being delivered to your to your table. So I, I think unreliable narrators are a powerful tool, but they're also a risky tool and that I think people need to use, especially yeah. when it's these bigger level, you know, liars or or the mad characters, or you know, we're talking about the high the, the high level quote unquote unreliable narrators. Like you said, Scott, you, you don't want to be improvising that kind of stuff you, you want to have yeah some prep there some intention there i mean you can maybe if you're taking like the light definition of the unreliable narrator where it's just someone presenting their perspectives and that's it that's all they're unreliable yeah. in that sense you could probably improvise a guard and the, or, or, sure. or a townsfolk person who has a limited perspective that you can kind of get across but but, I, but that comes across as the value or valueless thing that is a valueless towards the, in the narrative of the story yeah. it's probably a valueless conversation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so exactly yeah um all right are there other benefits or risks you know pros and cons here that we think the big the biggest risk is if you'd use it poorly or or maliciously is mistrust of you as a dm yeah. and once that happens you may as well fold up the books and shut the game down because you are not getting that back it's to me a, a powerful unreliable unreliable narrator is a missile it's not a dagger it is a it is dangerous to implement mm. if because if it's done wrong or you even if you just use it improperly you can really damage their their belief in you as a as a storyteller with them or not believe that you're like i don't want i don't think anybody wants to play in a game where they feel the DM 
is their adversary. Yeah. yeah and yeah. if you create that environment through this, this overt or covert manipulation that's done poorly or, or leads to that, your, your campaign will suffer and likely end if it's, unless you come clean and say, you know, I made a mistake. I mean, that, that would be an honorable thing to do that could save it. That's probably the only thing you could do. So, you know what? I made a mistake. I was trying to do this and get you this information and it came out poorly. And, you know, you know, I apologize that it led to this, but it was not my intent for that to happen. You know, I loved your analogy there. It's a missile. It is a missile. You're right. It, it can, it can create a bang. That can be a good or a bad bang <laughs> depending yep. on, yep. on, on the table. So, it can feel because it's just words. It's a conversation. It can feel like it's a dagger, but it's not a dagger. It's it's too big and too dangerous, too powerful. It is, you know, a a straight up liar is a dagger. An unreliable narrator is not a dagger. It's a different. It may look like the same weapon. It's totally not the same weapon. Uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. at all. And and I think you, you know, I, I think we could <clears throat> probably talk about the pros and cons for for a long time, but I think this is a good opportunity. Now that we talked about how dangerous it can be to the integrity of your game, to talk a little bit about what a game master can do to deliver this properly, or at least to try to deliver it properly. Um, yeah. So I don't know, Scott, if you have strategies that you've employed sure. that you'd like to share. I, I, this is one of the like I can wing a session. I don't wing the I don't wing unreliable narrators. I think you need to plan out what you're going to do with this, with an unreliable narrator. You need to write down, uh, not necessarily the conversation, but the things that need to be delivered in the conversation, both that are reliable and unreliable, so that when you do deliver them, you don't overstep or or step outside the lane of what needs to be done, so that you don't don't end up delivering the wrong stuff that really messes messes up the 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 characters and, and their, and the plot. I also, I will practice a conversation a couple of times. Like, all right, I would say it like this. What if they said this? And I don't practice every NPC they come across, but these ones I generally do. And I try and make sure that they come across authentically for whatever they are. Mm. So that requires, that kind of requires me to, come up with perspective and a voice and perspective means I have to understand why they're doing it and it under what circumstances will they break? Will they change their tune? Could they be, for instance, could they be the one that I'm using now suit? He could be, he could be manipulated by the characters to unwind his own manipulations. See, yeah, yeah. Cause he doesn't realize he's manipulating. And if you, if you hit the right, buttons on on that person you should he would truthfully unwind what he had done but you have to be able to think kind of on your feet but also know the con the conversation topics that need to be crossed yeah yeah it, where does it yeah. where does it trigger the unreliableness to maybe un unravel i i really like that yeah um, and I think you touched on motivation, right? Mo knowing a character's motivation and perspective, I think are two elements that I personally really, really like to have for an NPC that's going to be important enough to even consider what, you know, if they're going to be unreliable or not, even before I know that, but it, it it's kind of like a stepping stone. You know, I'm, 
going to introduce an NPC. The players are going to talk to them. They If they latch onto that NPC, okay, I'm going to start giving them a bigger motivation, start giving them, flesh them out further, give them a perspective. And then maybe I'm going to start considering, okay, is this person going to be unreliable? Is this person going to have information that they're going to withhold, be it intentionally or unintentionally, from the party that's going to have an impact? Right. That, that's kind of my... You, my, the blocks that I follow when it comes to preparing one of these characters. Uh, another thing that I think can be a useful tool is to kind of hint at that unreliability early on. Don't hold back because your players might yeah. not catch on. It, odds are they're not going to catch on right away. Yeah, so, it's like clues in, in a mystery one. You got to make the clues pretty damn obvious. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, make yeah. it really thematic. Put in things that the players can roll skill checks, you know, roll insight checks to kind of yep. get that fishy feeling out of the way right right off the bat. Because if you can get the players on their toes pretty early on, the rest feels, it won't feel like a betrayal anymore. The players aren't going to be like, oh my God, you really shocked me with this. No, you know, you had the opportunity to question yeah. what was going on. You just didn't really know what was going on, but you knew something was fishy. And I think that that's, yeah. that's a, an important piece of, of all this too. I agree with that a lot, like completely. You, you need to, I mean, you got to manipulate the players a little bit. You got to make them feel like there's something not right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Make them, make them, so, make them doubt do it. it. Um, are there other, other things that you do, Scott, that you think are valuable for the listeners to try to employ or maybe, um, Maybe, maybe let me rephrase it. I think this might be a more interesting question. Is somebody who's never done an unreliable narrator before, what's a, what's a good archetype or a good first attempt, you know, a good first type of unreliable narrator that you would suggest? Divination spells. When your cleric casts some divination spell and a god gives info, to me it's, it's so big and massive that it's super easy to just dump something that's totally obviously skewed mm. by by that god's desire i think that's an easy and it's the one that early on players are going to want to get divine answers you know they're, they're going to ask for them so prepare one or two like if you know you have a cleric that is getting a, a spell that allows them to ask a question of a god or a divine spirit or a a ghost or anything like that plan. You can plan that out way in advance. Cause you know what they're going to ask about almost probably there. It's not like they're going to surprise you very often with, cause they only get one or two questions usually. And then usually on the big topic. So whatever your big topic is, that's what it's going to be. Prep that out. Yeah. I really like that example, Scott, um, <laughs> especially because there's kind of like an innate understanding from your players, like from a person perspective, from the people playing this game, that a divination of some kind, that a vision from a deity is yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be a little bit ambiguous. It's gonna be unreliable. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that. You, you know, things like dreams, things. Like yeah, I use dreams all. So I was gonna go there. I use dreams all the time, and their dreams are are not reliable. Yeah, they learn things, but they also sometimes unlearn things, and they sometimes learn the wrong things, and they figure it out later. Because I don't say that I don't say dreams are are a vision of the future or the past or present. They're visions that you're 
honestly, I love dreams because I can do almost anything I want with them and make them <laughs> interesting. And they will take, they will use them how they want to use them. Exactly. Exactly. So. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I guess with that, Scott, that kind of covers unreliable narrators from, from yeah. my end. So unless you had any parting words, I, I will pass you the microphone and you can, you know, say goodbye to the listeners and tell us all about your projects, all the, all the fantastic work that you've got, uh, that you've done, that you are doing and that you will be doing. Okay. Well, first, thank you for having me on. I love these kind of chats. I love to talk about the, the things going on in, in DMs minds and how to, how to make better DMs. I have some YouTube videos on, you know, world building and DMing to kind of get new DMs rolling. Uh, you can find me at at Zealzaddy everywhere on socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Soon, uh, TikTok, it'll be Zealzaddy RPG because I didn't couldn't get it without the RPG. Oh, no. um, <laughs> but we also have we have a website where we have reviews and I have uh, connections to a lot of my a lot of people that I find in the community that I I, I find uh, useful and valuable to people trying to get into the into the industry. Uh, you can buy our products. We have our first product up on Drive Through RPG called The Beggar King and the Beggar of Kingdom and the Kingdom of Beggars, and that is uh, on Drive Through RPG. You can get it on our Patreon for free at the if you're at the three or five dollar level. Um, we are also going to be on Shard Tabletop very soon. We're getting our first product over on there. Uh, hopefully this week. It may be in the next week, but I'm hoping it'll be this week. Um, oh well, so it'll it'll be live. You, Hopefully, it'll be live by the time this airs. I imagine. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it'll probably be live by the time this airs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can you can watch us live. We play Elixia on Tuesday nights at nine thirty p.m. Eastern time uh, at Twitch.tv/slashZealZaddy, and then we put our our VODs, our video on demands, onto YouTube, and we put uh dming and world building videos on on youtube although i haven't done any in a while because i've been so so heavily concentrating on getting our product out and uh you can come chat with me on twitter i'm most active there um i'm always doing things on twitter i'm i, I believe in supporting the community so i'm if you have something cool you guys want to talk about with me and you want me to share let me know i'll share it but let, let as many people know you know spread the word of everybody we can all lift each other's boats it's all good Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I want to know what happens to uh, suit. It's suit, right? I want to know. I want to know what the player. Suit. Yeah, that that's a really neat character. So yeah, I, I really encourage everybody to go check out Zeal Zaddy again. You know, the Zeal with a Z and Zaddy with a Z double D there too. So yeah, go go check Zeal Zaddy out and make sure you um, look up forward. Look forward to your your new Patreon content. I've got the free city of Vandishar from what you told me sounds really neat yeah. well so thank you again scott i really had a great conversation with you here about unreliable narrators i think that you know everybody listening hopefully got some insight out of this i i think there's a lot to learn and um and thanks again you're welcome you're a very reliable host <laughs> appreciate that all right let's uh let's call it a chat